Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Shear tonight. Sorry, a little late, but better late than never. Time to go. Hold on one second. I want to dedicate the class. Okay, so tonight's share is going to be dedicated, number one, to the Schus Chayasar Malka Bas Ruvin Yehuda. Sarah Goldberg, Allah Shalom, passed away last night and made this piece of the Schus of her Neshama. An amazing, amazing, special person, an inspiration to all of us. And. Um, she evoke mercy for all the Jewish people and help bring Mashiach to Kano so she can be again together with her young children. Um, another dedication tonight is my my father is dedicating in honor of my grandfather, David Yehuda Ben Yukasil Pinchas. This is my this is my a mother's father. Was yard site is tonight, Ches Um Adar. So may this be his neshama. May he soar to great heights. And uh, it's interesting that I realize that I'm so connected to the concept of Mashiach. Myself is, uh, my father is named as David, so Ben David is Mashiach. And my grandfather is David Yehuda. Again, Mashiach. So from all angles. Okay. And Rachel is the one who cries for Mashiach, and that's my mother. So, all right. I have no more. I, I don't have that much choice in the matter. It looks like. <coughs> Sorry. Usually we learn the Kuti Taira. Um, I had a crazy uh, couple of days. Especially usually I prepare on Thursday. Today we were busy with this funeral, and with something else afterwards. That's just. And I literally did not get a chance to prepare the Kuti Taira, and I. It's it's usually a, a hard preparation takes a lot of and happened today that I give a uh, last week I gave it on YouTube it was a, a Hebrew share for a Hebrew community in Israel and I had prepared this class and this is so special it's so wonderful that I'd like to share it now now let's go it's a talk that the Rebbe gave in fifty seven fifty and um, it's on the Haftorah of Parshas Vayikra now this year. Vayikra is Pasha Zohar because it's a leap year. Usually Pasha Vayikra is after Purim. But this year, because it's a leap year, we have an extra month. So Vayikra comes up before Purim and it's also Shabbat Zohar. So we're going to read a special Haftorah for erasing Amalek. We spoke about that already on the Monday night class, which I gave on Tuesday this week. Um, but the Haftorah of Vayikra itself is, we're not going to be reading in publicly in Shul, but it's still the Haftorah of Vayikra, so it's a very special Haftorah. And over here, there is a talk from the Rebbe that is from the Lubavitcher Rebbe that is so awesome, so incredible that you know it's it's uh, really, really not right not to share some, something like this. And it's so refreshing, and it's so important for the Jewish people to hear this, and it's so important for this to be stated today in the world. I'm going to read a little fast because it's on the one hand I'm very tired, on the other hand it's it's not not very long, but it's long enough. And it's, it, the Rebbe said it in Yiddish, and sometimes they recorded it in Hebrew, but this time they recorded it in Yiddish. So that usually also makes it a little longer. 
So I'm going to read quickly and translate. It, it, it doesn't, I think it, does, it speaks for itself, doesn't need that much explanation. Just the sikha itself is a very, very uh, a well understandable sikha with just incredible depth about the significance of me and you, of all of us. So let's see. It begins with God's announcement where God is speaking about the Jewish people. And he says like this, this is, a, this is an Isaiah 43, um, Pasuk 21, Pasuk Chafav. It says, This nation I have formed for me, my glory, my praises, they should relate. Again, God is saying, a, this nation, referring to the Jewish people, I created for myself. I formed them for myself. They will relate my praise. This is an announcement that God declares. It's a declaration. God declares. This expresses the general quality and unique um, specialty of the Jewish people. Every Jew and all Jews, men, women, and children. In all times and in all places. Doesn't make a difference if you live in San Francisco, or you live in New Zealand, or you live in Jerusalem. Or it doesn't make a difference if you lived a thousand years ago, you're going to live in a Jew that's going to be around 200 years from now, or a Jew is alive today. All times and all places. God says, this is my people. This nation, Hashem says, I have made them and I have formed them for me. I made them and formed them for me. Which means, I did it for my sake. I formed them for me. They and, and what else? They their tzel and mine loy. They relate my praise. With the etlachaverta the tzel the navi the spetzielakat from from Am Yisrael. With these few words, the navi, the prophet, relates the uniqueness of the Jewish people. The gewaltige tirekat from Yidden by the Mebishni, the precious, um, um, the, the great uh, preciousness, the awesome preciousness of the Jewish people in God's eyes. As it is explained at great length and in detail, both in the written law and in the oral law, speaks how special the Jewish people are in God's eyes. This one short little verse really contains it all. Come on, like will be explained soon. So the Rebbe is going to start dissecting this, this verse. Then when someone reads the verse, you can read it as one statement. I, I formed this nation for what purpose so they should relate my praise? That means the Jewish, uh, the, uh, the purpose of the Jewish people is to relate God's praise in the world. But if you read it carefully, you see the, the verse is saying two separate things. Number one, the first part of the phrase is talking about the substance of the people. This nation I formed for me. That Abishan spoke. I created this nation for me, which means they are mine. That's unrelated to them relating my praise. Even before they can even talk, even before they can even say anything, or even if they never say anything, they are already mine. That's what he's saying. This nation is my people. 
And the second thing is, speaks already, the second part of the phrase speaks about what we ought to do. So the first thing is talking about who we are prior to doing anything. The next thing is what are we meant to do, which is part of our avoda, part of our service. What are we meant to do? To We should relate his praise. In the words of Rabbi David Kimchi, the commentator on the Navi, I created them that they should be to me as a people. Not I created them for me so they should praise me. I created them for me, number one, that they are my people. That itself is a full uh, concept on its own. That we are God's people. Secondly, and they should relate my praise. For what? Which praises? On the miracles that I will do for them. The Rebbe only brings it till, till here, but when I looked it up in the Redak, it says further, the miracles that I will do for them when I will redeem them. Which is basically the miracles which is currently happening and will continue to happen for the, for the Jewish people. By the way, in the, in the Ukrainian situation, which we need so much divine mercy, should help and help and help and help. But as far as I know so far, I haven't heard of any Jewish casualties. And uh, Hashem should continue to pray. One, we heard of one person that was mistakenly thought of by the Ukrainians as a Russian collaborator, and they shot him when he was trying to escape. Other than that, I haven't heard. Just because I didn't hear doesn't mean. But either way, we're hearing so many incredible miracles that have been happening. And the extraction of so many people and so on and so forth. And Hashem should protect all human beings. Uh, there is a, we see a special shmira for Am Yisrael. In any case, and that's the miracles that Hashem says I will do for them at the time of the redemption. Those miracles, they will relate those miracles. Now this idea that this verse has in it two statements. Number one, regarding to who we are. And number two, regarding to what we are meant to do. We can also derive that from the words of the Midrash. The Midrash says, the Mechilta says, God doesn't have a people, only Israel. Who are your people? Your people are Israel. So from here we derive, we learn out that the first half of the verse, that this nation I created for me, is the essential idea that we are our identity is that we are his people. As Yidin Zen and Amrishal Akadish Baruchu. That um, um uphanging that is unrelated from them relating my praise. Unrelated to the people relating God's praise. So now the Rebbe asks the question what's the question? What is the content of this idea that this is my people on its own? Um, uphanging, unrelated to them, related. In other words, unrelated to us doing his will by proclaiming his greatness. What is the content of us being his people? What does that mean? In the sense, the whole world is his. What does it mean, you are my people? And that itself is already something to celebrate. So again, this is unrelated to our worshiping of our creator. A commandment as Chazal, sages say, how can you separate them? The sages say, we were created to serve our creator. So if we're created to serve our creator, how can you surgically divide that and say, there is something to it that just being the creation of God as a Jewish man or woman that makes, that makes 
that brings already something very special. In addition to the fact that later you'll you'll serve me. Okay. But aren't we created to serve him? How can we be kind of special even if we unrelated to anything we've done? So he explains. That's one question. Question number two, something else that needs explanation. The verse says, My praises, they will relate. It says it in very definite terms. They will relate my praise as if it's a given. And here's the question. Why is it certain that we will say his praises? There are Jews who praise and there are Jews who don't praise. The Jews who want to come to synagogue, the Jews who want to come to shul and, and daven and say God's praises, and the Jews that are adamant about not going to shul and not, and not praising. How can he say, I created this people, my praises, they will relate. He doesn't say they should relate. He says they will relate as if it's a definite that this is going to happen. We know God gives us free choice to obey or disobey, to be loyal or not to be loyal, to be on his team or not to be on his team. And that's for Jew and non-Jew. So what is this idea that they, my praises, they will definitely relate? Since at least the second half of the verse. Remember we said the verse is divided into two. The first half of the verse, okay, you can say that's a fact. God created us, we are his people. But the second half of the verse, unrelated to our actions. Second half of the verse is explicitly related to our actions. Because the second half of the verse says, what? Um, about us praising him. But that's not a given. That's that's dependent. Uh, how can we say it's definite? Okay. But now we have to understand. Now we need to understand also another thing we need to get into and delve into. What are the specifics of the words, being that this is such an important verse, that Rebbe is going to analyze every single word individually. Number one is that it begins with the Torah Am. It says Amzu, Am. Why it should say Bnei Yisrael? The verse said Israel, Bnei Yisrael Yatsar Tili. I created Bnei Yisrael so they can serve, they can praise me. What's this lashon Am? Why are we referred to a, this people without specifying? Who we are. The other question is, what does it say? What is the meaning with zoo, this people? Should have said, I'm Yisrael. I'm Yisrael. Uh, you want to say, okay, let's say you want to say, I'm a people. You want to emphasize that we are a people. We are a nation. A nation. Fine. So then say the nation of Israel. What's the emphasis of this nation? Question number three. This nation I have formed, Yatsarti. What does he use the term Yatsarti? Should have used, I created. Would have been Amzui Barasi. This nation I have created. Or other Bechlal, Nishkain Loshen Finyatsir. Or it could say other Asisi. This nation I made. Ayatsarti, I formed. What is special with the forming? Other Bechlal. Or in general, it didn't have to say any word of creation. It could have just said. This nation, you shall be my people. That's it. Tion, Tion, Tion Li, you'll be to me, La'am, for a people. Like by the giving of the Torah, it says, Va'atem, Vi'yisem Li, you will be for me. Mamleches Segula Mikola Amen. Va'atem Tion Li Mamleches Kohanim, you will be for me. 
doesn't say, I made you for that. You will be for me. Why the emphasis on the making, the forming? Why? The Isophif, and, and so that's, an, that's another question. And then finally, uh, not finally, but uh, the, uh, um, nuance number four, what's the emphasis? Yatsarta li, I form them for me. Yatsarti, I form. Why I have to emphasize, again, I form them li for me. Hey, and why do we use the word yisaperu from all, which means to relate? Why could have used a, it could have used a different word for it? Yidaberu, we will speak. not something else. But basically, what the Rebbe is saying is that every word is so accurate and so perfect, and each one brings forth another facet of the incredible importance and significance and the deep, 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 deep inner connection that Israel has with Hashem. And now we continue. Another thing that needs explanation in the general idea. Based on what we know, that the prophecy of the Parsha, the, the reading of the Parsha is always related, I'm sorry, the reading of the prophets of the Navi has to be connected to something to the parish. So we need to, so we have to say based on that. The beginning of the Yavtorah has some kind of a connection with the general element of the parsha. Which is read before we read Yavtorah. We read Parsha's Vayikra. So there has to be some connection of the Yavtorah. What does Parsha's Vayikra speak about? The commandment regarding bringing sacrifices. So what's the connection of these animal sacrifices to this, that the Jewish nation are a special nation? Okay, base. So these are all the questions. Now he begins to answer. There be a Bechalzev, explanation of all of this. We'll first understand it by first, on the, based on what we said earlier, as Amzu Yatsar to Li Bechlal, Zoktaroyz Tepetzialekeit Fen Am Yisrael. And when it says that this nation I've created, this itself expresses the uniqueness of the Jewish people. As their folk got in English to gemacht fazich alains. Number one, that God create, brought about the Jewish people. This is a private need for Hashem. God created them for his need. Something personal for him. Das heis, das is seiner folk. This is his people. This is ois vierich erklärt dem Met. In other words, he created a big world. And then he has one people, that these are his people, in a specific way. As it's explained openly in the Torah, in many places. That's the general theme of this verse. Now, every word of the verse emphasizes another nuance of this idea. So let's understand first the awesomeness of the idea of he, that, that we are that he refers to us as his people. The Yesoit von der Verbund zwischen Jiden mit den Ebischen is the foundation of the connection of the Jewish people with Hashem, with God, is als an Am in Amelach. Now, the basic relationship is one, we are his nation and he is the king. As it says in many, many verses, many, stage, many statements of the sages, in Tfilois and in many of our the liturgy of prayer. Specifically, prayers of Rosh Hashanah. 
Bei Jezius Mitzrayim, bei Mattenteuer, ist eine Jeden geworden, denn Ebersch ist ein Volk. Bei Jezius Mitzrayim, bei Mattenteuer, when did we become God's people? When God took us out of Egypt and he gave us the Torah, the Jewish people became God's people. Jeden am Ongenehm dem Ebersch den Altsmelech, which means twofold. We accepted God as our king. We submitted to his kingship. And that's what, it, right, number one. And Hashem took the Jewish people to be his people. So much so that it says in the Midrash, as we said earlier, that God does not have a people, only Israel. That means now angels and not the rest of the world. It's the Jewish people that constitute God's nation, his people. That does not mean, God forbid, that God doesn't have a relationship with the rest of humanity. Definitely he does. But to call them his nation, that is on Israel. Now let's understand what that means. So in this itself, this that the Jewish people are God's special nation. This expresses the greatest and the deepest closeness that God has with, his, with the Jewish people. What is that? This is the essential bond that there is between the king and the people. What, what does that mean? Das folk is a folk. A nation is a nation only when they have a king. Or else there are a bunch of individuals. If there is a king that they're all surrounding and rallying around, that king makes them into a nation. And today's days, we have, God gave us an incredible example for this just in the last two weeks. Watch what's happening in Ukraine. Had Zelensky, the president, had he, uh, prime minister, whatever he is, had he escaped and run away and not rallied the people with a national cry, then, then there wouldn't be anything. They, the Russia would have ran over Ukraine in one minute. The reason why this whole revolt and this whole, not revolt, the protection and their willingness, even though it's, 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 it's like they're, they're, the people are willing to literally in the literal sense, put their lives on their line for their nationality, for their pride, and because they have a leader. You see how important that this is such a clear indication how the leader is the heart of the people. His talks that he gives them every day, he calls them and he strengthens them, and, they, and they're fighting because he awakens within them their, their nationhood. Without a king, there ain't no nation. And in America, it's so lacking today. And even in, uh, you look at the other leader in Russia, he doesn't really have so much the backing of his people. So you can tell that the whole thing is wishy-washy. But over there, he's, he's rising as a true leader and they're all with him. So who makes the nation a nation? Their king. He is their lifeblood. He is their heart. But it's also the other way around. But the same is also regarding a king. There ain't no king without a people. The very existence of the monarch as a monarch. In other words, the people are not creating the king, but they're making him a king. <laughs> if he has no nation, he can be the most awesome human being. He can be wealthy, he can be smart, he can be good-hearted, he can be generous and kind and, and, and compassionate. He can have every quality, but he isn't a king. In order for him to be a king, he, there has to be a nation for him to establish his kingship on these people. They legitimize him as a king. They give him legitimacy because they accepted his kingship. Now he's their king and they're his people. 
is upending in them as am. He needs to have a people. Was Dasas Koil Alech now? Amongst those people, you have a whole lot of subjects, better subjects, more sophisticated subjects, simpler subjects, all the way down to peasants. But all of them together as an as one organism make up his people, make up his nation. And you have to have even some troublemakers. And you even have to have some criminals. You don't have them, then you don't really have a colorful people. Which means that even the people that disobey, and even those that are not listening, they're also part, because they're disobeying the laws. In other words, the laws apply to them because they're a citizen of the king, but they're disobeying. But, but, but that's part of the kingdom. See, they also make up the kingdom. They're part of the establishment of a king who has, who governs. Who these are his people that he governs upon. Yeah, that's already detailed. You're listening, you're not listening. Obviously, you're scoring more points with the king. He'd be more happy with you, more upset at you, but you're still his, even if he's upset at you. You're still his. If you're not his, what are you doing in his dungeon? <laughs> if he put you in the dungeon, it's his dungeon. You know, throw you out of the country. You're you're his. You belong to him, even when you're a bad guy. And that's what the Rebbe is trying to bring out. And even the bad Jews, so to speak, are part of the Jewish people. The Jewish people need the bad Jews as much as they need the good Jews. And then we'll see later, he's going to talk about can we really find bad? He's going to discover how that the bad doesn't really exist. But let's even even when there is, it's, it's a colorful situation. But here what he's saying really is that even before we begin to do anything for him, the essential idea that we stood at Sinai and we submitted ourselves and said, you are our king. And he said, you are our people has already designated the Jewish people completely outside of the rest of the, the rest of existence, because through us, God is a king and through first a king over the Jewish people and eventually a king over the entire world when he will be accepted in, in, in Mashiach's times over the entire world, but his kingship. So which really means without without Israel in this world, without the Jewish people in this world, Hashem has no kingdom. No kingdom. Uh, he, he's great. He's awesome. He's a creator and he's powerful, but he ain't no king. So we make the king a king. We're making God a king. Not only before we obey his commandments, even before he utters his commandments, maybe even more, maybe even before he even thought of his commandments. He hasn't even planned it out yet, but he just knows that he is their king and he is governing them. He, he is their leader and they belong to him. He hasn't strategized yet how he's gonna how he's gonna direct. And, and influence them. Or what is going to be his expectations of his subjects? That's secondary. And they definitely didn't start keeping it yet, but they've already established the bond that he is their leader and he is his kings. That's the idea. There have to be established this criteria that he is their king and there is people. In demots come to outstate so the fin as the melech zokt on them am vizes on the chayfirin. Then comes out as a as an outcome of that that the king tells the people how he would like them to behave and if he's hopefully a smart and intelligent and good compassionate king he's leading them with very good laws and in a, in a very productive healthy um, 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 prosperous way moral way and them am and the people then listen and they and they do what there's uh, what he expects of them to do 
Ubaloshan ha midrash, the midrash puts it very, 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 very clear words. Kiblu malchusi, va'arakach exer aleichem gzeidois. First accept me, accept my kingship, accept me as your monarch, and then I will decree upon you decrees. Edis is dodar kiblu malchusi, before you can you accept this kingdom, is nishdokein am. If we, if there isn't a people, an entity that accepted him as their king, so he can give decrees, but decreeing on who? There's no entity to decree upon. So they first have to establish themselves as his people. Now they belong to him. He has authority over them. We can formulate his ideas and execute his ideas through decrees and laws that he establishes for the people. But you first have to create the entity. And that's with Hashem and the Jewish people. In their pasuk zokt, as dead in Yenaz Yidens and in Baruch Hu, So this idea that the Jewish people are the people of God, God is the one who chose that. And not just that he chose that, choose that in the sense that he looked around the world and he saw all the peoples that there are, and he decided, okay, one people, the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're the ones I'm choosing. That means, if that would have been the case, that means that we have an existence as people, unrelated to being God's special nation, other than our peoplehood of God. Because the fact that God chose us is, is a secondary thing. We existed. We were kind of doing fine, as, as fine as everyone else was doing. And then God said, you know, come around here. I, I, need, I, I, would like, I would like to manifest my kingdom upon you then it would be some kind of a secondary entity, a secondary element to our existence. In other words, we can, we can rewind it, undo it, and we're back to what we were before, which means that there is a space within us, there's a certain element within us that's not part of this relationship. So God says, no. I formed you from the very beginning for this purpose, which means that the purpose that you are my people is your very identity. I, 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 it basically, I created you ex nihilo. I made you. I developed you for this purpose. It's not, it's not like I created a bunch of humanity and then I chose from humanity, oh, that part. No, no, no. I formed you specifically for this. That means outside of this, you don't have an existence. That means your substance and your essence is nothing other than that through you, God manifests his, he's a king through us. And we can't escape it. It has nothing to do with choices that we do. We want or we don't want. We behave or we don't behave. Even if we don't behave, since it's our essence, so we are a subject misbehaving. And every country needs a few subjects misbehaving or else it's not interesting. Right? But, 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 but even when we are not listening, we're still part of this uniqueness of being his people because that's in our essence. And that's what it's adding on the words. Not just am, that there's a people, but yotzart and li, that this am is to me. Yotzarti, I formed it from the very, very beginning for this purpose. He made them into his people. The Ribbit is verstanden, so it's understood. As in them is Number one, it's understood that there can never be a change of God's heart. Because it's independent of anything we do or say. It's not that he chose us after we existed already and he chose us because we were pretty. He chose us because we were beautiful. He chose us because we were pious. He chose us because we were honest, because we were nice, because we were good. 
No, 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 no. He from the very beginning made us for this purpose. So that means that it's under, as we say, it's it's not dependent on anything we do, think, say, or not do. And therefore, there can't be a change in it. Nor Lee, that's why the verse emphasizes, Amzu Yatsarti, I formed it, Lee for me. The sages say whenever it says for me, it has the durability of God himself. Lee means to me. Who's the me? The me is God. And since God is eternal, absolute, and unchanging, so then this bond that he, whenever it says the word to me, means he's identifying something with himself, and that means it's unchanging and eternal. That means there can never, ever be a change of heart or change of attitude, a change in this relationship. And therefore, the Rebbe says, after the Torah was given, and says, Given the when we established this. Now, God already created us before that for, for, for this purpose. But at the time of the giving of the Torah, we actualized it in a very real, revealed way in the world. We then accepted his kingship. And we know that everybody was there. It wasn't just our forefathers. Because the sages tell us, we learned it from a verse, that every soul of the Jewish people, forever and ever, all the children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, all the descendants of all the Jewish people, for all the generations, we all stood at the foot at Sinai. Some of us physically, some of us spiritually, but everybody was there. And together, we as a nation said, you are our king. And, and that wasn't one that even the later people who misbehave, non-religious, non-observant, not interested, even they were part of the first selection and that you are our king and we're your people. That, they, that there was already changes of how much we listen, how much we don't. But the idea that we are everybody except, and from God's perspective, it went the other way around. You are mine. And therefore, someone who was born a Jew, the Rebbe says, and this applies also to people who are from the Gentile world, but go ahead and submit and put and put themselves through a, a conversion. But it has to be a halachic conversion according to God's instructions. You can't make believe and make your own stories up or else it's, it's, it's invalid. Obviously, you have to gain God's approval. To gain God's approval for this, it needs to be according to the laws that God has set out. And that's the laws of conversion. Is it, so? But if someone does that, so whether a born Jew or whether a person who joined the Jewish people, is it a chalik van Am Yisrael? So then this person is now part of of this unique people, a tale, and therefore they're part of Amdu Yatsarti Li, part of the people that God says, I created them for me. And Al Saza, Titer Oif, them Abishtin is Melech, Melech Now, as, as being a person like this, this individual accomplishes that God is a king. We contribute in making him a king, because again, without a people, he is no king. Does haste, and therefore he explains. Which means that to, that to be a Jew, a part of the Jewish people, which on the verse says, This nation I formed for me, on this is kind to none. There's no conditions. It says Nishtolians and It's independent and it's not dependent, so to speak, on the means of conduct of what we do. In or the level of observance of Torah and mitzvahs. The sages say, a Jew, even a sinner Jew, is also a Jew. 
Even a Jew who sins is still a Jew. And it means, it doesn't say if he did one sin, even if he's a constant sinner, all he does is sin. He's still a Jew who's sinning. Yeah, it's like if you're part of a certain nation, you can only break the law if you're part of the nation. I mean, there are laws that apply for foreign nationals. Well, that's a different thing. But then, as an American, there are certain you know laws that apply to Americans. And if you're if you're not an American, you don't have to. I don't know. Let's say there would have been a, a law or whatever. I don't know regarding the mask. You have to wear the mask. You know, I'm not an American. I don't have to. Okay, say if you're, these laws were given to everybody that came into American American soil. Okay, but we understand there are certain things that. So the fact that you're violating it, as we said earlier, is the fact that it's considered a violation is only because you're included. And why are you included? Because you're part of the nation. And that's the point of it. So therefore, it's independent listening or not listening. It has to do with the very idea. Just like a person who's born. See, but when it comes to these nationalities, as if I'm an American, I can choose voluntarily to undo my American citizenship. Right? I can go and decide I don't want to be American. I want to. I, I, I sign a document that I want to undo my American citizenship. I can do that. With Judaism, you can't undo that. You're born a Jew, then you are a Jew. It has to, because God created you. you. You can't uncreate yourself. So he created you for that purpose. You're part of that, of that people, and it's, un, it's not, it's undoable. No, it's, yeah, no, not undoable. It's not undoable. As he says, if a person was born a Jew, or they converted according to the law, is it a tail from Amzu Yatzartili? So then you're a part of this nation that God formed. The Adarab does bring their noch And on the contrary, it's not like you're Jewish because you're observing the commandments. You're doing Jewish things, so you're Jewish. It's the opposite because you're Jewish, and therefore you're his his people. So now he's inspired to rule over you and to and to and to. And to uh, decree decrees and give you laws and expect of you to follow. So the whole laws is coming because you're Jewish, not because you do Jewish things. That's why you're Jewish. It doesn't work that way. So from this it's understood. The essential idea that this people I have formed for me up on which is unrelated to relating God's praises. That's a, that's a secondary thing. This already brings out, this reveals an awesome idea. The quality of the Jewish people being God's people. Which he formed for me. Meaning, he, this is God speaking. Formed for him, for himself. Through the people, it is established that God is a king. First, Melech Yisrael. First, he becomes the king over Israel. And through the Jewish people, God becomes a king over the whole world. I form them for me, which means it's for God's interest. It's almost like God is saying, I need them. If I want to be a king, and being a king matters to me. I need someone to, to legitimize my kingship, to, to, to form, to, 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 to allow that, that very notion of kingship to, to take place. And we're noisive of them was lean main Sudin and So it's two things. 
Amzu, this people, I created Lee so they can serve me, but that's secondary. Even before that, to legitimize my kingship. And that's the ultimate need that God has. It's not a nice thing. No, he really needs us because without, without us, and Yiddish is an expression, which means someone, the, the guy is like, uh, the guy used to make the hats for everybody. But, you know, uh, he, becomes, he becomes a nobody. Here he was a big, big, this is the idea. Hashem, obviously, he's an omnipotent being, he's an absolute being, he's an infinite being. But king, on that, he, it's a that requires a relationship of subjects, and the subjects are, are the Jewish people. Because through this, this creates God's kingship. Okay, that's chapter number two. Now we go to chapter three. It says, Yedua, now watch this. He's going to take it now to some somewhere so beautiful. He says, now there's another idea, another important notion. You can only be a king on equal. I mean, it, it, kingship implies that there is one leader who, who is, would have been kind of of the masses, of the people. But he stands out as being very unique. Therefore, all the people go and they choose this person as their leader and he becomes their king. But there has to be a, a certain relationship, a certain connection between the people and the leader. Because if they don't have any relationship at all, then they can't be kingship. What do we mean? You can't be a king on a colony of flies. I don't know if they call them a colony. I don't know what it's called. Well, imagine that, you know. Uh, I don't know if you were in Los Angeles ever, uh, at least, you know, uh, what time? I would say uh, August, September, you go out to take your trash. There's like three million flies out there. You can walk outside, put on a crown, and make yourself king over the flies. Okay, I can see some people doing that, but obviously it it's utterly meaningless and it wouldn't really give you much satisfaction. You probably would play with you probably might, you know, uh, uh, find that amusing for five minutes and then you'll be done with it because it can't in any way satisfy a desire of kingship. It's meaningless and so forth because there's no, you know, similarity between you and flies. Uh, and it's hard to be a king over a bunch of a bunch of cats also if you're a human being. When you have a, bunch, oh, you have a whole, you know, group of humans, one of them as a higher human being from the rest. So here becomes the question, how can we even begin to think that we are God's people, that he's a king over us? If he is infinite, omnipotent, endless, boundless, true, eternal, and we're fickle, tiny, small, uh, temporary, physical, what kind of relationship? What kind of, how does it relate even that he's a king over us? So you have to say, that we do qualify because we see that in reality, he establishes his kingship upon us. That means we have to have some kind of a similarity to him. The answer we will give is that it is deep inside us, there is a spiritual soul, our soul. And we know that our soul is a, has within it a spark of God. So that spark of God that we can't define, well, what is a spark of God? Well, we don't know what God is. And therefore, the spark of God that's at the core of our soul, we don't know what it is either. But that spark is similar to God. It's a piece of God. 
And because we all have a spark of him, it's from because and as a result of that spark that there could be a, there is a similarity between Hashem and us. And from there is where God establishes his kingship. That would be an answer. But the Rebbe is not satisfied with that, as we're going to see. He says, that's what the next word comes to say. I formed them to me, which means that we, as being God's people, is not that we have a spark in us that qualifies us to be God's people, but rather we, in our complete entirety, each and every single one of us, with all of our, with all of our design, with all of our uniqueness, all the way down to the specifications of our physical body, the shape of our nose and our cheeks and our eyes and our forehead and our and the nuances of our body, all that is part of the design of God's kingship. Our personality, our char character traits, and even including the physical characteristics of our body. It's not just the most abstract point of, of our soul that we don't know and no one sees. It's not just the invisible part of us, this higher super being that everybody has a special neshama. Ooh, that's, that's the subject of God's kingship. No, 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 no. God is a king over a people, meaning human beings in the physical world with all the detail and most external features. It gets down to all the nitty-gritty aspects of our being. Why? That, how do we know that? Because the verse says, Amzu, this people, Yotzarti, I formed them. That's the emphasis of forming. Form, what's form? Form means the opposite of substance. Substance means the essence of something. What is it in essence? Well, the essence, you know, that, that's, not the, that's not what the outer form, that's what is it really? The form is its, is its aesthetics, its outside appearance. Why does it look on the outside? So God is not saying he made, if it would say this people I created, we, we can say it referring to our most inner, deeper, inner point where God creates us to be from non-being. But then later the developed characteristics and specifications of each and every one of us is not really identifying or related to God's people, to being part of that of that of that kingship but since it says these people i formed formed means means all the way extending all the way into all the mo in, into the most external element of our appearance and even in that god designated the jewish people to be his people that means the features of the it includes the 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 features of the, the the Jewish people, even in terms of their body, the Jewish features and the like. That too is designated to be the people of God in this world. Let's read inside. He's going to say it much better than I said it. Uh, it says, It is known that even though the king is way above the people, the people have to be similar to the king. Then he can be a king over them. Just like it is by a human king, the subjects have to be human. 
They can't be cats or dogs or anything else. But diamonds are the melech, so there has to be similar to the king. Vote men get kept maiden, and so we would have thought as the dimyan tzvishan am Yisrael and kaviyachol demeibush that the similarity that there is between God and Israel and the Jewish people is not mitzanzei neshamotim. Now, once we hear that, you have to be similar to God. Who's similar to God? We would answer, and we say that which part that's referring to our soul, and in our soul, it's talking about the most sublime inner core of our soul, upipnimius. And we would say that how who can be called the subject of God? Someone who expresses that soul in his life. Since what makes us similar to God, which can which on it God can manifest his kingship, is our soul. So people who don't express their soul in their life, instead they live very materialistic physical lives. So if, if all that you have in your life is just physicality and matter and nothing spiritual, and you're not ex revealing your spiritual soul, you're not living a higher higher inner life, so that what? So there's nothing about you that distinguishes you from the rest of humanity. There's nothing there Jewish. What's the Jewishness? That, because the, the, your connection to God is only in that element that has that is godly. So where is your godliness? So if you have a righteous, saintly person, when you look at their face, you can see you're not dealing with a regular flesh and blood. You look at their face, you can see you're seeing a spiritual, you see their, their, their face is radiating with a godly light. Someone like Moses or some other great tzaddik. Oh, that's a godly person. And that can be God's subject. This person is making God's king. But when you see someone who's just very, 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 you know, very ordinary and nothing special and doesn't reveal at all their soul. So on the part that we see, there's nothing godly about that. We say, no, no, no. Zuck their possible. God is not associating that individual as they are in their, in their, as they're operating in, as a physical human being in this physical world, as we, as we see them in their, in their bodily existence, God doesn't identify with that. And the answer God says is absolutely not. That's wrong. It doesn't say I created them. I formed them. Form means the form you see, the most outer element of it, that I formed for me. I formed that, pay, that person to look that way for me. Why do I need a person with that length of a nose? And why do I need a person with, with, with this kind of cheeks and that kind of chin? And why do I need this tall person and short person to be part of my empire, part of my kingdom? I don't know. But God does know. Because he formed us to our most external features. And he's going to explain it in stages. First of all, the features of our personality traits. That's the more inner state. But even down to our physical features. That too is part of God's nation. So the holiness of the Jewish people is not only in their soul. It's also in their physical body. It doesn't say I created it. In addition to this, that the verse says in Deuteronomy, they are a part of part of God is his people, which is refers to the soul. And the soul of a person is a piece of God from above. It's also the external form and the revealed external form from the people, 
When Ayla Zayna Midgalida, and we're talking about everybody. If they are his people, we said earlier, they have to be similar to him. So we have to say that the most external features that, 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 that make us up who we are, in that element, we're also similar to him, that he can be our king. There has to be a similarity. What does that mean? That means we are we compare to God and are on one wavelength, even in our human selves and physical selves, not only in our transcendental spiritual soul. For him Yatsartili, I formed them. That Abishdarat Ois formirt Yatsarti did Sudif in them am. Hashem, for, Hashem himself formed the people, the collective form of all the people, but, but also individual form. God made it that it should fit to be his people. It, they should match being what is, what is fitting so that we can be his people. Lee. Also, the form of our traits, our spiritual traits, and characteristics of every single Jew. We would say that's it's dependent on you, what you make of yourself, how you work on your character. But what he's saying is, even before we start working, of course we can polish ourselves. Before, of course, we can make ourselves be shining as a godly being in this world, as a beacon of light in this world, revealing godliness and spiritual light. The more we refine it, the more we bring it. Of course we can do this. But even if we don't do anything, the very, very beginning, the setting of the person with all their characteristics is already ali aligned and in sync with godliness. In yeah? They're already in a godly state. And that's because the Jewish people are considered a godly people. Ledugna is an example. The sages say that the Jewish people have three characteristics that apply to them as a whole. What are they? Amongst Jews, you have all kinds of people. But something that applies to the general community of, of the Jewish people, number one, they are compassionate people, the sages say. And they are good-hearted people. They are they kind people. And they are a bashful people. Three things. They have shame. They are have compassion. And they are kind-hearted people. We see that there's tremendous a lot of philanthropy and givingness amongst, amongst the Jews. Religious and non-religious. The Jewish people like giving. And they have very soft hearts in that sense. And the same is also regarding the ten powers of the soul, which make up our, our intellect, our emotions, which is the more human side in us, which we know, we learn in Hasidus, we learn in different places, that the soul derives and it stems from the ten divine attributes. So that's where we see we're equal to him. Because our personality traits, our intellect and our emotions are equivalent to God's intellect and his emotions, albeit endlessly lower and endlessly smaller and endlessly far more limited than his infinite wisdom and infinite emotions, yet there is still the same DNA. Yet it's on a similar on a similar manner. God says you look like me in your character traits as well, not only in your undefinable essence of your soul. 
Not only our inner core, inner personality, which is our intellect and emotions, but even our thought, speech, and actions, even the way we think, speak, and act. Hashem formed it for me. Here he comes to the final part, that even the shape of the physical body, their ponim, for example, the face of a Jew, is a reflection of God's name. Yud ke vav ke. Yud is the head, as a general is, is a yud. And the hay are, or the hay is explained sometimes at the five fingers, but sometimes explained even in the face there is a hay. I have to look it up in the Arizal. The vav is the nose. That's why Jews naturally have a little bit of a longer nose. Everybody knows that. Not always. If you if you have a small nose, doesn't mean you're not Jewish. But it's one of the things. And uh, because it's a vav, it's a longer line. And uh, yeah, that's the so that's it's an image. It's a it's a copy of the divine. It's imprinted even in the body. From the now this is also understood from this that he adds in Tanya. This idea that our connection to Hashem, our deep inner connection to God, is not only in our inner inner deepest point, but also comes down all the way down to our physical body, is also understood from this that the Alter Rebbe, when he describes in Tanya, the Rabshneer Zalman of Liadi, in, in his book of Tanya, when he describes the uniqueness of the Jewish soul, he says it's a chelek alakai mal. That says in the verse, it's a pasuk that says that Anishama is a part of the divine. But the Alter Rebbe adds one word. He says mamish. Mamish means literally. Mamish also means we can touch it. Mamoshes. The fact that he adds the word mamish means is that this, the godliness of the Jew is even when you're even in the part of the Jew that you can touch. It's not only in the invisible soul. Even when you shake the person's hand and you touch their body, you're touching a body that is permeated with divinity, which is a part of God's existence. Because they're his people and they're making him into a king. What? Not the unseen part of the Jew. Yes, that's the source of the holiness. The source of the holiness is the soul, but the soul permeates the body and the body is shaped in a special way to receive and express the soul. So all the way down to, and, and it's every single Jewish body. And it's all specifically designed in a way that it will match the divine, the divine being. In Tanya's Armoisev and Mavar Mamish, Ekidu, as Noisev and the Pirish of the Mamish, the Chelik Lakai Memal, is this year? That the peace of God from above expressed encloses itself in the body in a way that you can touch it. To the point that you can actually even touch it. How, how can you explain that? That the, the, the living body of the, of the Jew, which you can even touch, it's from all his powers. It's all his spiritual powers that make up, that flow inside the body. And what's the energy of the powers of the person? Where's the energy coming? What's your inner, inner core energy? Your neshama. 
And the inner part of the neshama is a piece of God. So the inner fire, the inner engine, the inner drive, the inner of it all is the is the part of the divine. And therefore, that being that that is the energy and the infusement of life throughout the entire body, that means also that therefore when you're touching the body, you're you're seeing godliness. And therefore, all movements of the body, where the person uses movements, um, hand movements, hand gestures. If you watch my class, you see like I'm always doing hand gestures. But the Rebbe is saying over here that the hand gestures, not only when you're giving a, a class in mysticism, even the hand gestures or body gestures of the Jewish body, when they're not doing learning Torah, doing mitzvot, they're just engaging in anything material, yet it expresses divinity, the divine. Is Because it's revealing their, their true, their energy. Well, one is going to argue and one is going to make the argument and say, what's going to be the argument? All this is good as long as you're dealing with someone who's expressing their soul, who's living a life that's revealing their spiritual soul. So then that spirit is revealing itself in the body, that even the body is a godly body because you're learning Torah, you're doing mitzvot. Fine. But what happens when you're dealing with a Jew who's completely divorced from Judaism and from observance? What's with this person? Okay, we'll say he too has a soul. Fine. But that soul is not really manifesting and expressing itself. It's not revealing itself in their life. So he says, no. Even by this person, it's that way. Why? Even a Jew who at the current time is not yet observing Torah and mitzvot. You see the way the Rebbe talks about because by the Rebbe, he's confident that every Jew will eventually keep all the mitzvot. But maybe he hasn't yet started yet. He hasn't yet found his way or reconnected. Is in addition to this that even though he sins, he's still a Jew. Thus is by M by M. But you can still say, but that's, you're still a Jew, but that's covered. That's not what I can see. We're talking about being able to see the, the godliness in the most external element of the person. Over here, it's, it's buried. The person buried his Judaism. Outside, he doesn't want to wear a kippah, doesn't want to look Jewish, changed even his Jewish name to a non-Jewish thing, trying to assimilate and behave exactly like anybody else. And yet we're saying that what? That this is a godly form in this world. Why? Because notwithstanding their actual behavior, which could be antithetical to Torah and antithetical to mitzvahs, that behavior is not an expression of their true desire. At this very moment, this Jew who's behaving totally opposite of Judaism, eating non-kosher food, engaged in a non-kosher relationship, which God doesn't approve of, and so on and so forth, that's not his or her will. His or her will is to learn Torah and do mitzvot and fulfill everything that God wants because that's the only type of will that can come from a Jewish from a Jewish soul. And since they're born with a Jewish soul, it has to be their will to do God's wish. But you're saying if it's their will, so why are they not doing it? <laughs> if you wanted to keep Shabbos, why are you not keeping Shabbos? If you all want to eat kosher, why are you literally not eating kosher? So that we'll see in a minute. 
The real desire is to learn Torah and do mitzvahs, to fulfill God's wish. Maimonides lays out a law that every Jew, even someone who cries the opposite, these are the words of Maimonides, every single Jew wants to be from the Jewish people. And wants to do all the mitzvot, all the commandments. And wants to distance himself from sin. The person is being dominated by, a, by the evil inclination. In other words, the evil inclination is considered an outsider force that is trapping this person and forcing this person to behave against his or her will. In the Ribbidus they did, that's why we find an amazing law in Torah. That when a Jew doesn't want to do a mitzvah, the, the court could compel him or her, even at the cost of physical force. They could imply physical force to do a mitzvah, which is a ridiculous thing because Judaism is not about, you know, producing mitzvot if you're not serving God. What do I gain if you're going to eat the matzah, if you're going to blow the shofar, or you're going to make kiddush and Shabbos, or you're going to do any other mitzvah? If you're not into it, you don't care about it. I got you to do it, but, but you're screaming you don't want to. So the sages say you beat the person until they say they want to and they do the mitzvah. It's such a ridiculous law. <laughs> what are you gaining? It's, it's a trick. You force him to say he wants to, but he, but he told you five minutes ago he doesn't want you. He, he wants to, he doesn't want you. He wants you to stop beating. He wants you to stop beating him. That's why he said, oh. and the answer that my man that he says is because every Jew wants to be Jewish. He really, really wants to do and wants to do everything God. He can't help it. Because if you have a Jewish soul, you were formed by God to serve him. Your, your only engine you have is your soul that wants to do the mitzvah. What's happening? So that's you really want to. Why you not? Your inner want is being blocked by an external want. Hey, but what's that external? But that external want is not you. It's it's a foreign, it's a foreigner. So when the when when they are you know, beating the person, it's not beating the person, they're beating the outside individual who's forcing you. Let me give you an example. Wait, well, I'll give the example in a moment. Let, let's first continue reading. You beat the person until he says he wants to. In today's days, we don't do this. I just want everybody listening to this class. No one is walking around beating people to do mitzvot. But in, in essence, the law provides that when there is Jewish jurisdiction, you could force a person to do a mitzvah even if he want, doesn't want to. So the, say, the Rambam explains, it's not considered a it's not considered um, that um, the person was coerced. It's not considered coercion. Because this person, the opposite, his non-compliance with Torah is a coercion on himself. He's coercing himself to behave opposite of what he or she really wants. In the Ribbik, even Shohukad, my man that he says, when the person got some, some patch, when he got a little slapped around, what the, what the beating is doing is that it's weakening his inclination, his or her inclination. When he says he wants to, he really wants to, because that's what he really wants to do all along. And here's the beautiful words that I think in this talk is more than another place. So after everything said and done, is this person's will to be a Jew open or concealed? The guy who says he doesn't want to, it's obviously concealed. So, good, you're saying very nice. He's a Jew. And by being a Jew means a coming part of you. 
a a um an absolute consequence and derivative of having a Jewish soul is that you have Jewish desires and Jewish desires is to do God's will. So therefore you want, and God's wills are the mitzvahs. So therefore you, as, as, a, as an, as a, as a, um, absolute necessity, every single Jew or Jewess wants to do mitzvot and wants to do everything right. But then the bottom line, we see so many Jews who are not doing that. So what are we going to say? The, there is a will, but the will is blocked. So it's an internal will, not an external will. So if it's only an internal will, so it's not revealed on the outside. So how do we say that when you're looking at a Jewish man or woman moving their hand and their body, it, that too is an expression of the divine. It's not. Because by this person, there's a block. The divine element in them is not making its way. There is a certain dissonance. There's a disconnect between their inner being and their outer being. And the Rebbe takes it over here a step further. He says it's even their expressed will to do God's will. It's not just their inner will, their hidden will. It's even their even this person who's not interested in Judaism, yet it's their revealed will to do God's will. How? <laughs> What can be the logic behind that? Let's read inside. Comes out that even their revealed and external will is to to do God's will. In this that he says or behaves oppositely is It's considered an external yitzer. It's an external force. So the Rebbe gives them a very beautiful. When the person is not doing, doesn't want to put on the tefillin, you ask them, let's put on tefillin, you're Jewish. And he says, no, I don't want to. You say, please, let's put on, no, I don't want to. He said, so you have to know that when the person is saying, no, I don't want to, it's not them saying, no, and so on, I want to. Imagine if you're out there with a tefillin booth and you're looking for people to put on tefillin. And someone comes running from across the street. He's all excited. He says, put me on tefillin. But as he gets close to the booth, someone else grabs him and holds him like this and pulls him away. What would you say? You would do whatever you can to get this guy off him and let him put on the tefillin. The per when, he is when, he's when he or she is not doing the mitzvah, it's not them that's blocking them. It's someone else forcing them not to do it, even though in their own mind it feels like it's themselves. That's the idea. So I, I, let me give it a, a practical example. You know, if someone is someone is, is, is taken by gunpoint to an ATM machine and is being forced to withdraw funds, $5,000 and give it to this guy who's standing there with a gun, so I'm asking the question, is it their will to give the $5,000 to this thug or not? Yeah, obviously, it's not their will. Even though they're doing it, it's not their will. And you're going to say, no, it's their inner deeper will that they don't want to give the $5,000. But it's their external will yet to give the $5,000 because they're giving it. So it's you don't understand. It's not an external will. There's no will there at all to give the $5,000. They don't want to give it. 
It's the other person forcing and imposing. Obviously, there has to be some will to comply because they know that if not, God forbid, the guy will blow a bullet through their head. So they have no choice. So you want because it's not will. It's not called will. It's an outside force compelling. So the Rebbe is saying every time we behave opposite of what God wants us to do, it's not us. So comes out in every single Jew, observant or not observant, the person that's there, all their will and all their desire, all their flow of energy that flows through their veins, through their arteries, through their bodies is godly energy because it's coming from a being who's meant to serve God and therefore meant to do all the mitzvot. And they want to, even if they never. Even if all their life they think they're not wanting, they're being hijacked by some other outside external being who's not allowing them to feel their own desire. And that's every single person. And therefore, and he takes it so far, in We know one of the secrets that it says in Tanya that we say, that even people who are called the lightheaded of the lightheaded and the most um, um, the most uh, and sinners of Israel, when push comes to shove and someone wants them, God forbid, to on a core core level disconnect from their Judaism by disassociating from God completely or disassociated from being a Jew, even they are will be willing to accept upon themselves death and not to separate, not to sever their connection. And even to go through suffering, not to not to not to not to violate their their essential core bond with God. The Rebbe says this has been proven throughout all the generations. That even Jews that were not Observant of Torah and mitzvahs. They, they sanctified God's name in the literal sense by allowing themselves to be killed and not to, um, not to uh, whether to convert or other things. And it wasn't only rabbis, scholars, and devout people. It was the sinners and the rabbis as well. When someone wanted to force upon them a complete disassociation from their Judaism, they couldn't do it. So it shows you how attached and how much their will of these people as well is to always do God's will. The fact that they're during their lifetime to keep on forgetting their true will, okay, that's part of the power of the Yetzirah, the equal inclination. He makes us crazy. That's why the sages say that a person does not commit a sin. Every time a person sins, it's because some kind, it entered in them some kind of a spirit of foolishness. It's almost like a demon enters into the person and, 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 and blurs their mind during that time. You're not your true self. You're not your real self. This spirit covers up that the person doesn't see how by committing the sin, even when they're doing a very minor sin, at that moment, you're, you're, the person is becoming disassociated and severed from God, but the person doesn't realize it. But if the person would be able to see the truth, because we wouldn't have this, 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 this clouding of the brain, or someone else explains it to them in a very clear way, this person, the very, very big sinner, will even give their lives not to do this sin. 
based on this, it's understood. As noisif tzedem was amzu yotzartili bring tarois malos and show yisrael amalchuser shalakadosh baruch hu matzad etzem akeshet tzvichin am yisrael nakadosh baruch hu base. That in addition to this, that when we say amzu yotzarti, this people I created, God says they should relate my praise. Is what does that mean? That the very existence of the of of Israel of the Jewish people facilitates God being a king. But there's even more than that. The Indian Ikri, something else is added to this. In them, it's Ademus Amzu Yatsarti. It's not just an, uh, that your essence, the essence of the, the entire form, the entire person, everything about them, all the way down to the little nuances and expressions, even expressed by the physical body. All this is of divine significance. Is the in in the Indian is that what as their kesher tzivishin am Yisrael bond between the Jewish people in all of the tale and in all of its details yederiin mit an evishtin zetzach on begoli is open is in a revealed way oichen dem tzuref in a yidn even in the shape of the person even in the form even in the external element or bekanam I find him in many manners like we said earlier. So much so that the revealed desire is to Torah mitzvahs, is to learn Torah and do mitzvahs. And if you see it's not that way, know that that's, that's very, very superficial and very external. So the Rebbe goes and is dismissing a person who's living 70, 80 years, anti-Jewish, anti-Ghana, and the Rebbe is saying it's superficial. That's not at all who the person is. Get a little deeper. Poke him in a little deeper, you'll find the true person. I mean, he's a piece part of the Jewish people. He's he he's every he wants so much to be part of Judaism and to do mitzvahs, even though he's in a he or she might be in an intoxicated state all their life. Under the influence of drugs, if you might say. Under the influence of narcotics that have convoluted their mind. So now, remember we asked him the question. Here the Rebbe says that he comes into chapter number four. He asked the question, the second half of the verse says, they will relate my praise. He asked the question, why is it saying the definite? Maybe they will. They should relate, but it doesn't say they should. It says they will relate. How is it in the definite? How is it absolute that every Jew will relate God's praise? He says, no, no, no. We're not even talking, even in the second half of the verse, we're not even talking about something that we do, that the Jewish people do. The very existence of the Jewish people in this world, by looking at the Jewish people, that itself is singing God's praises. Where do we see that? It's similar to another verse. It says, the heavens, there's a verse that says, Hashemayim Mesapir Kavot Kel. The heavens relate the glory of God. What does that mean, the heaven? What was the last time you heard heaven talking? You walk outside, and it's quiet, you're sitting on a mountain, and you hear the heavens talking? If you're hearing sounds like that, you might, you might have to go check yourself out, right? The heavens aren't talking. But when you look up at the night sky, when you're not in the city, I went a few weeks ago, I was in Enza Borrego Desert, pitch, empty, quiet in the middle and we went out stargazing, and you look up in the sky, then you hear the sky talking the praises of God. It doesn't have to say it, 
by Jer looking at it and you're seeing the billions of stars, the millions of stars and everywhere, it is so spectacular. And that speaks the glory of God. When you look into outer space and you see the enormity, it itself speaks the glory of God. Similar to that, without it speaking, it naturally relates to the glory of God. The same as he's saying, God is saying about the Jewish people. He's saying, I'm Zuyatzarti, I created you to be mine. And, every, and, and when, when you, I created you to mind, it's not an inner thing that you can't see. It's expressed, as we said now, even on the most external element, that you can see the Jewish people are on the most external element, a, 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 a divine manifestation of God's subject in this world. His people, which through them, he is a king. Again, not only in their soul, but even in their, even in their, most, even in their outer appearance. If that's the case then they are relating his praise. Why his praise? He's going to explain in a moment. How is his praise? They're, they're, they're pointing to him, but how are they? Because when you look at them, you know we, we become conscious of God. But how do we relate his praise? We'll see in a minute. But that's why it's a definite. You see, if it would have to, if it would be related to something that we have to say or do or proclaim that's, that's not definite. Some people will proclaim. Some people won't proclaim. But if it has nothing to do with proclaiming or not proclaiming, the mere fact that the Jew is Jewish and he's walking on the street is already a song to God. It's a praise for God by anybody that looking on them sees God's praises just like that. And that's why that's a definite. There's no question in that. So that's what he explains over here. Just like the specialty of the Jewish people can be seen on its own, just because the way God created them. Even in their shape of their, not just in their inner core, but even in their personality, the shape of their being, their, their psychological persona, and, but even further, even in their physical appearance. And again, as we said earlier, it's not dependent on what, how we actually go about it. The mere fact that right? this also expresses itself in they relate my praise. That the very essential existence and, and form of the Jewish people is Azavas to It's one that brings that the that his praise they should relate. Just like we say in the verse in Psalms, in, in Psalm 19, verse number two, it says the heavens relate God's glory. That the heavens themselves relate Hashem's glory. It doesn't mean that the person has to go ahead and do something to relate God's glory. Just the very existence, the physical flesh and blood of the person existing in this world is already a praise for God. What is the praise? As that Indian fitilosa yisapeiro, the idea of the praise of God being pronounced was kimitzadim etzem tzurif in ayid yatzarteli, which comes from the very existence of the Jew. 
Direkt sich aus, euch in dem, also in the idea of Kiyom HaNitzchif in the Yiddish folk. It's also one of the primary elements that express it is in the eternal perseverance of the Jewish people in this world. What does that mean? Notwithstanding the fact that the Jewish people are a minority amongst the nations, amongst the Gentile nations. More than that, as the sages say, one sheep amongst 70 wolves go into a forest, deep in the forest, meet a place where, you know, people go, when I was in Yellowstone, I watched many people who go these wolf tours. My name is Wolf, so I had like a great desire to do so, but it would be crazy. Like to take three days, you have to pay them a few thousand dollars. They take you out into the deep back country of, 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 of Yellowstone, where there's a lot of grizzly bears, by the way, which is another thing I'm not too interested in going too close. And they sit there and they stand for hours and they look in binoculars and they're looking for wolves, which is pretty neat. In any case, but, but even then, you spot two, three, you spot ten wolves, okay, a pack. But imagine 70 wolves all together, and amongst them, one sheep. What are the chances of survival of the one sheep among 70 wolves? How long will it last? Probably not more than like 30 seconds. And so that's how the sages compare the Jewish people amongst the 70 nations throughout all of history. No one was really happy with us being on the block, that we can say. They really, 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 people were not happy with the Jewish people on the block. And, um, and they ground their teeth and again and again and again. Anybody knows anything about Jewish history knows. We were persecuted, exiled, kicked out of country from one country to the other country. Been lived under the most enormous stress of, 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 of taxes and all kinds of things, trying to like really... On every aspect, there were sh short little intervals of peaceful, of, 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 of um, thank God in America, it's been very different in the last 70 years, the last whatever, but throughout our history, persecution after persecution. And we didn't, we weren't in our country, we're scattered all across the world, and yet the Jewish people survived. And all the other big empires are gone. And everybody knows that. The secret of longevity, you have to speak to the Jewish people. They're the ones who've been around. Talk about Putin. Um, there was a famous interview. He called one of the rabbis of Israel, went to meet him. And Vladimir Putin, obviously he's a pretty, pretty serious brute, right? As we're watching what he's doing now. Had an interview with this rabbi and the rabbi ended up staying in like four or five hours. And Putin was talking to him and talking to him and talking to him. And Putin asked him about Jewish survival. And Putin didn't even want to let the rabbi talk. He said, I'll tell you what your survival is. It's your Torah and your mitzvot and your, and your rabbis, he says. That's what kept you guys alive. So you see, even right, it's something that, 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 that there is something divine about it. And that's the praise because that shows on God's existence and God's eternity. The biggest miracle of all, the existence of the Jewish people in this world after the Holocaust. And, and every time, imagine that, a people that have sprung back from the gas chambers. Six million, six million. And yet, in such a short period of time, to be such a world influence and to be so, to have such prosperity and such growth and such presence in the world and such influence in the world. 
you would have thought that we would all be sitting by therapists going through for years and years and demand and be and be victims sitting there crying about about victimhood of what we are mistreated and the jewish people have not done that instead getting up again and building and growing and again battered and again getting up from the ashes and again who can explain that there is no rationale and there's no logic to it it's nothing other than a clear miracle of god and that's why the jewish people walk any jew walking on the street is a display of god's praise it's everybody recognizing and saying there is a god and a god who protects his people and a god that cannot be defeated because if israel can't be defeated it means god can't be defeated in this cooking the alexander said it differs we go back to the rebbe's words and not and not withstanding all these decrees persecutions throughout all the generations blight their folk guns the people remain complete they're here they're here to stay they're eternal they're around and how are they here not hiding somewhere in a very open way Jewish people are in the headlines every day. They're again all over the place. Which at the very same time, great, great, great empires and nations, which were which were more far more prominent and powerful and had everything going for them. They disappeared off the map. This expresses in a very revealed way. To everybody's eyes, the power of God. They will relate my praises. That means you don't have to say anything. You're very. It's written all over every single yid, every single Jew. Because God said, "This people I formed for me. If they're mine, I'm forever. They're forever." And now he takes it further. Listen to this. This is particularly important regarding the Jewish people in our generation. So the Rebbe is speaking in 1990. So the Rebbe is taking, talking about this um, 50 years, 45 years after the Holocaust. And he's saying like this. These are the inheritors, the children. And the continuity of the previous generation. For some that lived through the Holocaust, which he says, which he calls this horrific destruction. In addition to the people who lived through it themselves, the survivors, in trots thems and in the yidn gebliben gans, notwithstanding this, they still remained intact, complete. How do you say complete? They weren't crushed and gone and sat and sat in their in their cellars never to get a come out of them. Miraculously, they got married. Miraculously, talk about my grandfather. This is a it's my it's a share, my grandfather's yard side. My grandfather was was in the camps. So why in the world when he came out and he saw what he saw, the hellish nightmares, what he saw in Auschwitz, and he saw what he saw, the death and all that, and his family murdered and everything. How does a person have the fortitude and the energy to come out of there and say, I'm gonna build a family again? When you when you when you when you watch Jewish families being burnt and thrown into the crematoriums, what gives you the energy to go create another family? You can't explain. It's not logical. How do you build a family? 
So then they got married and they have children, boys and girls, which can continue this godly people in the world. A people that will be here for absolutely forever. Which every Jew, he says, that lived through, that is this destruction in his Gebliben Leben, and remained alive. I mean, all Jews in Europe, of course, who survived the Holocaust and remained alive and weren't killed. That's a miracle. And therefore, it doesn't make a difference how religious this person is. Religious or not, or what they dress like. I mean, the very existence of a survivor is a lebedegenes. This is a living miracle. So this person, even if they never want to put on tefillin, even if they don't want to eat kosher, it'll make a difference. They walk down the street, you are watching a, 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 a miraculous entity. That's what he's saying. The very existence, this person, and therefore if it's a miracle, he's a testimony to God. Because a miracle means God. God in the open. Nature is also God. But nature is God in, in concealment. A miracle is God revealed. So when you're looking at this human being, any Jew has numbers on his hand. Is every cell in his body is a miracle. His children are definitely, and the next generation also miracles because they were born, right? They were created. It's interesting. We this past uh, two weeks ago, uh, my son got married, and uh, in New York, and Shabbos, the following Shabbos, we were spent in New Jersey in a hotel. And a Chabad, whatever was next hotel, and we had the Shabbos together. And during the course of Shabbos, I got to know a little bit my daughter-in-law's family and her grand and her grandparents. It's in the middle of the share. You're not listening to the share. Yes, everybody sees I'm speaking to you in the middle of the share. On on YouTube, you're on YouTube and on Facebook. Okay, bye. My daughter Nachama. Any case, so when I was there, I went over to the her grandparents and I was talking to them and I was getting a little sad. And I said to my to my which is my, uh, I said, we should have a a a, a gathering. Was very unique about this wedding is that both our sides, thank God, had each side had two sets of each the groom and the bride had both two full sets of grandparents so at this Shabbos they were actually um, four yeah, four, which eight people which are all grand, everybody's alive and everybody's well thank God and they were all there and when I started hearing stories I said well wouldn't it be interesting if we sat down together and every single one of their grandparents would say the story of where they were during the war and where they, so we basically will come to a conclusion that this couple that's getting married, each of them is going to have a few miracles to relate because the only way they all came from Europe, they were all survivors. Everybody had, you know, my grandmother was already sent by Mengele to go to the, to the left and her sister jumped before her and cried out, no, she's able to work and pull them in. The only time that Mengele ever took someone from the other side and pulled back was my grandmother. Right, 
Dr. Mengele, she was already put to the left, sent to the gas chambers. That's not a miracle. That means that this flesh that over here is miraculous because based on the Nazi war system was so perfect and so powerful, I shouldn't be alive. And my other side of the family, they were hiding in an attic. Actually, a Polish family took them in an attic. And, 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 and they, they came searching because a Nazi was killed, some of the partisans, so someone killed a Nazi. So they came looking in all the, in all the homes. If they found a family in a house, they would burn the entire house down with all the inhabitants inside of it, including the Polish benevolent doctor who saved my family in the attic. So they did a search. They did a search. And they were upstairs in the attic and they were they were terrified. And they heard the, the officer tell the, the, the commander, tell the officer, go upstairs to check the attic. And he was already walking up the attic. He was. They saw his hat. There were 13 people in the attic. They saw his hat. Suddenly, out of nowhere, something fell downstairs and crashed. So the officer got like this, and he walked back down to check what happened. Right? Listen, they knew they were finished already. They literally were done. They were all going to be either shot or going to be burnt alive. Something fell down downstairs. He went to check, and then this commander asked him, were you already upstairs? And he said, yeah, because he, he didn't want to say that he, didn't, that he didn't listen, and they said, leave. So they came so close to being discovered. Obviously, a clear miracle from God. So that's why my grandmother on one side, my, and each and every one of my... So imagine if you bring all these stories, talk about the children getting married, they're all, they're all made up of miracles. There's nothing natural in their existence. They shouldn't be here. So their entire existence is a miracle. But it's not only my children. It's all the children of all those who are walking like that, that, that are descendants of Holocaust survivors. But Holocaust is just one story. What happened 50 years before that? And what happened 100 years before that? And what happened that again and again and again and again and again and again? We say it Friday night. We say it uh, Pesach by night when we pick up the cup of wine. And we say in every generation they want to wipe us out. And we survive. So it's a miracle. And therefore, the Rebbe is saying over here, every single person, their very being is a testimony to God's greatness. Now he continues. No, but according to this, we our praise that we relate, when we relate God's praise, that happens on its own. We don't have to do anything. Without a person's Because God said, the reason you're surviving is because you're mine. Another thing in addition to that, as we said earlier, since God created us to be his people, and that's our very identity, since it's your very identity, it, it, it produces desire. Because if you have a godly identity, then the desires that come from it are to be is to be a godly being and and that desire is always pushing is always inspiring godly behavior now might in the end it might not make it to the outside somewhere on the way out it might get stuck that can happen but since the desire is always there we know eventually it will break through even on the outside and the person will behave in a way that they are actually relating God's praises with their mouth as well. Not just by their very being, but in, in their action and their intentions are also to relate God's praises. Because 
They have so much inward energy pushing in that direction. And how is that when we conduct ourselves in a very in an open way? With the will of Hashem, is and the conduct is in, in accordance to in daily in daily life according to Torah and mitzvahs. Okay, like it says that there will never be a Jew who will for all eternity be cast away. It means everybody eventually. Judaism and godly behavior will catch up with every Jew inevitably, whether they want it or not. It will. Why? Because 99.99 of their beingness, of their inner, of their inner force, is positive to do God's will. The fact that it's that there is sometimes this one little something. How long is it going to withstand such a powerful force of goodness that's really there? it's got to go, it's got to fall. Because when we realize that it's just external, and when we realize it's just outside, and it's up against this powerful inner force, you know it's going to fall. And we're holding chapter 5. With this we can understand all the details of the Pasuk. Am zu yatsarti li hilasi yasaperu. Every word is like a diamond. Every word is so perfect. Number one, Am, the reason why it doesn't say Yisrael, it says Am, a people. That underlines, that underscores the relationship between the Jewish people and God as a people and a king. And as we said earlier, the king is not a king without a people. So that is already tops the chart. The very thing that I'm, they are a people, and he is the king, already is like, wow. To add in it, the reason why it doesn't give us a specific name, Israel or something like that, it just says I'm, because the idea of the people is, and this is very important, the idea of the people is that it's colorful, that it includes all different types. It's not one, 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 one size fits all. It's not uniform it's it's unique it's colorful it's different but people come with all kinds of shapes and sizes now you're gathering the king is gathering together he wants to see all kinds of people he wants to see, see doctors and lawyers but he also wants to see farmers and bus drivers and truck drivers he wants to see you know uh, um, school children and grandmothers and grandfathers he wants to see amongst that big mass of people he wants to see you know, skinny people, tall people, short people, fat people. He wants to see red hair and 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 brown hair and black hair and blue eyes. And he wants to see everything. It makes up his his people. It's all the people with so many different, and they are all his nation. That's the point of him. A nation is a a a a unification of many turning into one. Like what does it say on the American dollars? Many plurals, unos, whatever it's called. Am includes many people and different types of people. In mention of that is Nishkain folk. If there's only one person or there's only one type of people, it's not a people. It's not a nation. Like the verse when it speaks about the Jewish people and explains the colorfulness of them. 
Rashechem Shiftechem is their leaders to the tribes. There is the wood chapter, Shayev Memeka, the water drawer. It doesn't differentiate the differences. Even when they are scattered amongst the nations, and as a Allah, they're all. And when we say they are all, we mean they, in all their detail and in all their individuality, together make up a people. They're all part of one nation and one people. So the Jewish people can't be a Jewish people of saints. It can't be a people of rabbis. It can't be a people of scholars. It has to be simple people, scholar people, saintly people, some sinners as well. Everybody's got to make up that 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 people of God. And on the contrary, he says, actually, most of the people in the kingdom are not the sophisticated elites. Most of the people are the simple people. In Oifsadim, in Sharsim, Alain, the commoners. That's most of the people, the commoners, not the aristocrats. In Oifsadim, in Sharsim, Alain, is Nishayach Zayna Melech. You can't be a king if all you have is ministers. It's like begging, uh, like, uh, what's his name? Um, ben Gurion said. He said, I, he says, I'm a president, I'm a prime minister on a million prime ministers. <laughs> I mean, you can't really be on a prime You have to have. A melech is daka oifan am. A king can only be on people. And the people, again, it can't be only ministers. It has to be everybody. In order for there to be, in order that the king should appoint ministers, the king first has to be a king over a people. Once he's a king over a people, he can have the king's ministers. So the king's ministers only have legitimacy because there's a people. There has to first be a people that make the king a king. And now once there's a king, he appoints various different people to higher positions. But the real source of it is the people. So again, with, with God, it's also, it's the Jewish people. And again, that's what he's emphasizing so much. Don't get so impressed only with the rabbis and with the great individual, you know, people who will win Nobel, Nobel Prizes. That's not it. It's the every single, everyday guy. The regular folks. And even deeper than that, he says. From the king's true perspective, they all make up his people. To him, there's no, he doesn't see high or lower. To him, they're all they're all his people. Yeah, of course he recognizes that he, he gives people certain power to be influences over other. But on the general perspective, from his true elevated perch, he looks he looks at them as all as equal. They're all part of one people. Not in them, I'm goof as anyone look at Dargis, but in the people, it, amongst the people itself, there's all kinds of stages and different gradations. So that's another emphasis we say, um, it is trying to emphasize that every single Jew, every single person is part of this. Oich, another idea. Am In Hasidus, it says in many places that the word am comes from the word extinguished coals. You know, there are, there are coals in which you can see the fires on the outside. But then there is a coal where there's, looking at it on the outside, there's no coal, there's nothing. But when you break the coal and you find inside, it's got a little embers, it's still red inside, it's still burning. 
So the meaning of the word am, which means a people, comes from extinguished coals. Almost. What does that mean? The idea is as follows. Hashem cannot, a person cannot be a king over himself. Because that's not the whole idea of kingship. The king is to be a king on someone other than yourself, not yourself. You can't be a king on yourself. You can't either be a king on your children because your children are too much you. For you to be a king, on the one hand, we spoke earlier, there has to be a similarity between the king and the people. But on the other hand, they can't be him. There has to be also distance. So what does that mean? We spoke earlier that our spark of God is a piece of God from above, and it's similar to Hashem. But God can't be a king over that spark of God because that's like him being a king on himself. He can only be a king on us when our souls come down in bodies in which we are so, and, and it covers and conceals our soul. And we and our and, and us being divine is concealed, and we're so human and we're so earthy, and yet only in this earthy human state is when he can be a king over us, because a king can't. If we're not in our earthiness, then we're divine. Then we're not. Then we're part of him. We can't. He's not really a king over us. So this emphasizes so much more the idea that it's tafke those simple Jews where by them their godly souls are the most concealed. In a sense, even more the non-religious than the religious. But the religious, you can see openly, it's a, this guy is a fire for God. But in the non-religious, well, you don't see it. He's non-observant. He's not keeping mitzvah. And over there is that's God's people, because over there is where he can be a king over a people. There's actually, he's bringing out that there's something even special in the most distant Jews. They really create this perfect state of, of a king over a people. Jews are in bodies. They're separated from God. Only in this situation is possible the existence of a people. Which make God be a king. On your own children, even many of them you can't be a king over. Now, I just have to read. I'm not going to finish the whole thing. I'm just going to, the next page. Ah, it's fantastic. Am zu. Now, so that's the meaning of the word am. Now we're going to the word zu. What does it mean, zu? Zu means you're pointing with the finger. So what does that mean? The Rebbe says, am zu, delosh zu zeh. It shows that you can point on it. Something very specific. The sages say when it says that because the people showed with their finger and said this is it. What does this emphasize? When we say that the Jewish people are the people of God, we are not talking about the ancient Israelis who lived at the time of the giving of the Torah. We're not talking about the old generation who lived in the time of the temple. The Hebrews who lived back then. We're talking about them as well, but not only them. Zu, we're talking about the people who are living today's days right over here. We're talking about current, this is current news. This is the people of the now. The people you meet in the grocery, the people you meet in the bank, the people you meet in the shul, the people you meet on the beach. The people you meet wherever, the people that are now currently in the year 2022. 20, uh, That's what we're talking about. Talking about Jews, not in Israel, Jew, Jews in Israel, Jews in France, 
Jews in the United States, Jews in Australia, Jews in England, Jews in South America, Jews in, in, in wherever, everywhere. It's the people as we see them today, as we point our finger to them. This is the people that's making God, God. Imagine that. He's not a, a people. No, no, no. Very real. What's establishing God's kingdom in the world are the physical Jewish people alive. And he's soon going to say those that are physically incarnated in bodies, not the souls that are up there in heaven. They don't count for this. In every generation and every place. Not in those glorious generations, those that went out of Egypt and received the Torah. When you became a people. Or the time when the temple stood. Now, in addition to every element of Torah is eternal. Everything in Torah is eternal. But when it says the word zu, it means that you can point with your finger today and say zu. In when God is saying zu, as there's people that we can point with our finger. Their folk fin yidden this generation of Jews and every generation, they, God says, I formed them for me. In Their very existence relates to my praises. There's another point over here. It's referring to Jews that are right now. We're talking about a people that are physically alive in the physical world, in this world. Not the souls. He, earlier, he excluded earlier generations. We're, we're talking about something very real and current. But now he's saying even more. Not souls in heaven, but Jews that are here in this world. Not the spiritual being souls. Oh, you'll say, the nation of God. Those are the Jews who are going to be born after the resurrection, after the world will be perfect, where God's kingdom will be so manifest. Those are the Jews. Yeah, they're God's people. They make him a king. No, no, no. It's the people alive currently. Souls and bodies down here. They are this nation. I need them. Without them, I don't have a kingdom. I'm nobody. I'm a very big God, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a king. I, I have no empire. In Nochmer, the Baltas, the Yiddish, now he adds another even. The Rebbe loves Jews with such endless love that he, he, he comes up with such geniuses of him. He says more than that. Even if you're going to look at the Jewish people as a people throughout history, you realize that every generation is another link. So what's the link that links the past with the future? The current Jewish people down here. Comes out that the Jewish people physically alive right today, right now in this generation, they are keeping the chain of this whole entire peoplehood throughout all of history, which displays God's honor. And therefore, they are the representatives of all the Jews in the past, and they also the representatives of all the Jews in the future. Here's the thing. In the Jews alive now, 
They represent all past and all future of the Jewish people, and therefore they're everybody right now. In the Yiddish focus, Ein Lange Shel Shelis Kait Finzman Ovis, it's one chain coming from the days of the forefathers. Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, our fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our mothers Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and, and Leah. Is Amzu, this is one nation, this is the one link in the chain that connects all generations earlier and after. Amzu, it's one people. They are the representatives of the entity called Israel. Of all the generations, we represent everybody from the past and everybody in the future. Because if this link of Jews is not here, there's a disconnect, there's no link, it, it won't carry through from the beginning till the end. And the end is eternity. It won't, it won't carry through. That's the reason why it's Amzu. It's very much the people that are here right now. And of Zevert Gizok, and regarding them, it says, Yatsar Tili, I created it. Oich. And again, as we said, it keeps on re-emphasizing, not just their, their lofty soul. No, they're every element of their being. Also, their form is from a godly nation. And their far kintas and oifen from li. It's in a manner of to me. Nishploiz as yidin zen and them eberstens folk. It's not only that the Jews are, the, are God's people, they'll have belonged to and they belong to him, Li. No, the Yetziras Am Yisrael, the way God formed us with all the detail, is an Azar Oifen Azar Hobbin and Zich, the Kraft to Din and the Mebish. God made us in a way that we have the ability to serve him. Li Bishvili, Anin of Reisil Shamashes Kaini, to serve my Creator. And also to reveal in the entire world that everything in the world was only created for God's honor. It's like we said earlier, because God formed us to serve him, every single one has a, a, a desire and even a revealed desire, which compels us to reveal this desire in actuality. That's why my praise they will relate. Remember we asked the question, why does it use the word yesaperu? Not Yidaberu. Why Yisaperu? Because Yisaperu comes from the word also to illuminate, to shine. Sapir. My praises, they illuminate, they shine. Every single person is just a, a radiance of God's praises. Yisaperu, Doc. It's also, it's a, it's a story being told in a very open way. In Oich Yisaperu, Malosh and Evan, Sapir comes from the word Sapphire. Which is a shining, it's brilliant. The very existence already shines forth. Okay. Then he connected to the parsha, Vayikra, which I'm not going to do right now. I'm going to skip a little bit. Then he says, From all this above, what is the actual lesson from this? What do we learn out from this? What is our, how are we supposed to conduct ourselves to another Jew? And this brings us to two conclusions. It, it brings out two points. The first thing is, the great praise of Israel, the Jewish people. 
from Yedayid, from every Jew, man, Freyan, kin, man, woman, or child. Nishkukin digozai ma'amad ha'matzev. We shouldn't, we shouldn't, I mean, notwithstanding exactly, you know, the spiritual state that the person is in. Is that Ayid, the person is a Jew. Atel fin'an'am, he's, he or she is part of the people. Which God says, they are making up my kingdom. Amzu, I formed them to be mine and to be my, my expressors and my praisers in this world. And so much so, is their such praise of, of Israel as they accomplish that God through them becomes a king. In their but now once we recognize, whoa, this this leads us to another element. When we meet a Jew who, for whatever reason, is not in sync with observance, we should never look at this person as a lesser Jew just because he's not observant or not because. Our approach and our, our, um, uh, the way we, what would you call it? Uh, the, we address him the way we feel towards he or her. He's part of this awesome people. And through this very person is a, is a demonstrator of God's praise in the world. God's praise and God's power in the eternity of the Jewish people. It's expressed through any Jew. doesn't make a difference. And that's true, even people that you can kind of blame them for their misbehavior. Even them, because the very fact that they're Jewish is already an expression of the continuity of God in this world and God's miracle, providence, and the like. Miraculous providence. But especially the Jews in our generation. This that we see so many millions of Jews that seem to be assimilated and not really practicing Judaism. Most of them are, it's considered completely not by their fault. They were born into families who don't practice Judaism. So they're considered like halachically, like a child who's been abducted when he was a baby. What happens if you, you know, when a, a, a little child was abducted, kidnapped when he's a little child, taken away from a Jewish family, and grew up not knowing their Jewish heritage? And then you find them when they're 50 years old, and then you do a genealogical test, and you find out that they're really Jewish. And, and oh, so you're going to be angry at them or upset at them or feel like you have to, like, because they're not observing. How are they supposed to do anything else? It, was, it wasn't their fault. That's a halachic criteria. So the same is, he says, our generation, most Jews who are not religious, it's not their fault. It's not their fault that they're behaving that way. Or they don't care for a mitzvah. Take a look. These are the these are the 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 next generation of those who survived the Holocaust. Should never happen again. Every single one of these, you might look at them and say, "Where's your kippah? Where's your tzitzit? Where's your behavior? Why are you eating ham?" You're looking at someone who's a who God himself 
changed nature, altered nature to bring this individual to have this, because this person is so dear to Hashem. He kept him and miraculously brought it, made sure that he will exist, he or she will exist. They're a miracle of God. They're a walking miracle. And therefore it's praising God. How can you look down at a person like that? The limb of their fin lapoil is. So what do we learn out from it in the literal sense? How much do we have to try to always speak good about the praise of other people, of, of other yidin? Knowing how awesome it is. How of the close nation to God. And to add to what he says, when you're speaking the praises of the Jewish people, is this, you're really praising God. You're speaking good about the Jewish people, pointing out nice things. You're saying nice, you're speaking well about Hashem. Because he's the one who chooses these people. And this is his creation in particular. The whole world is his creation. But this is a very, very particular inner, innermost element that he made in the world. Amma Yisrael, Yatsar Tali, he created this particularly for himself. That's a one idea. To always see good and speak well about, about other Jews. Second, the second element that comes out of it in Limud is, Yes, to understand how revolutionary this essentially is. Today, it's not so revolutionary because Chabad has brought this attitude to the rest of the world. But do you know how religious people have always looked at the non-religious brethren? You were there, non-religious sinners. Distant. We don't want to have anything to do with them. They're off the way, you know. The Rebbe changed it all. The Rebbe is saying, don't you realize how holy, how godly, how incredible special it is they are every year now that i was adding when you know that that's who a jew is and you realize that sadly they're kind of disconnecting and they don't value their jewishness or their observance or their ability to express the divine in such a unique way so you do whatever you can to try to help them to identify deeper with their judaism and connect to their judaism and reveal it until they live that way in their daily lives you make it your responsibility. That's what he says. The second idea. First idea is be in awe when you see another yid. Don't make a difference, religious or not religious. Secondly, if you feel and if you see that they need help, so lend an assistance hand. Don't say, I'm doing my thing. I'm religious and I'm observant. And I don't care what you do. I don't have time for you. God forbid. And that's what he explains over here. Especially when you know that the person really wants to do it. Everything in them is crying to do it. They're being grabbed, they're being abducted by someone who doesn't allow them. So are you going to sit by quietly and let them be that way? Try to do whatever you can to help them out. Even though they think that they're following their own desire, you know the truth. Is moving be pasha does the inogamit and darv zain of some oil zain be emegala zain nochmed der rotsen zain rotsen der chemaz be zain with one of my yotzim and I live with dark inoyim with dark isholim. The way you speak to them is coming from the heart. You speak it very pleasantly. You don't threaten. You don't speak derogatory. Speak peaceful words. Speak with love. Speak with care. Speak with empathy. 
die Wichtigkeit und Teilkeit von Torah und Mitzvahs, die Importanz und die Preciousness von Torah und Mitzvahs, wie das ist in der Gehe M in seinem Verbund mit dem Neighbors, und wie das will enhance your life and enhance your, your connection to God. And definitely not to be of a person who says, I'm doing my own thing, living a private life, and I couldn't care less about anybody else. As long as I am going to my Olam Haba, I've got my mitzvahs, I'm good, I couldn't care less. You know, non-religious is their own thing. God forbid that you should do that. And now he adds, Iker. Another idea which is very important, really the perfection of every single one of us is affects all of us. Because we're, we're one entity, we're one organism. The name Israel is an acronym for the word. There are 600,000 letters in the Torah. And we all know that in the letters of the Torah, if one letter is off, the whole Torah is disqualified. And the Rebbe adds here very this. When you say the whole Torah is disqualified, which letter? Even the Aleph from the word Anochi Hashem What's like the most brilliant letter of the Torah? There's this Ten Commandments, and then there's the introduction of Ten Commandments where God says, I am your God. So the word I starts with an Aleph. That's like the highest letter. So that highest letter, the Aleph of the Torah, is not kosher. If some other letter somewhere in the back end of the Torah is scratched and not this, the whole Torah is off. Which means that the every single Jew's observance and every single Jew's involvement in, Jew, in, in this world is what creates the Jewish entity of the divine in this world. And when something is cut off, it affects everybody and all of it because it's one entity. And therefore, actually, if you want to help yourself, you got to help someone else. And by helping someone else, you're helping yourself. And then he goes into chapter eight. At that time, there was a great rabbi living in Israel. Well, where's the Rebbe saying all of this? Why was the Rebbe saying this? The Rebbe was saying this to counter something that was said publicly. A very great religious rabbi that had thousands of followers spoke very threatening about the Jewish people in Israel. He was talking about all the people, the secular Jews. And he was saying that these secular Jews, by in their secular ways, are evoking God's wrath. And God is getting very angry at them. And who knows what God is going to do to them. Eventually another Holocaust will come. This is what he was saying. And he was a very respected rabbi. When the Rebbe heard him speak that way, the Rebbe said, how dare you talk that way? How dare you can be a He says, By, when you speak ill upon the Jewish people, you're speaking ill upon God. You're, you're, you're besmearing God. And if you would truly fear God, you would be terrified, God forbid, to open your mouth to speak such words on Israel, on the Jewish people. And he even says that Isaiah, the prophet, spoke, he was a great prophet living a few thousand years ago, spoke disparagingly about the Jewish people, and God yelled, God rebuked him, and he was punished for it. So the Rebbe says, how does someone speak, especially publicly? Especially in a way that it was written in a way that even the Gentile newspapers were writing what this rabbi said. It says that's the biggest desecration of God's name. How can we do that? The Rebbe then says in the words, I hope this individual can do teshuva, repentance, and take back his words. 
and realized that he made a big mistake. But if Yeshayana, the Isaiah, the prophet, did tshuva, that he can also do tshuva. And even the reason why Isaiah ended up stumbling and doing, making this mistake and saying something, he said, I, I, what did Isaiah say? He said, I'm sitting amongst a people who are uh, impure lips. I'm and, 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 and people that, that, that are very dirty lips. They, they speak, uh, they, don't, they don't have a clean mouths. He said they live amongst people with unclean mouths. And God said, don't you say that about my people. How careful we need to be. And if you want to rebuke someone, there's a way of doing it. But not to get up there and speak about people and say they're bad and that God is angry at them and they're, God forbid. And this is one of the beauties of the Rebbe, how the Rebbe taught us how to recognize and to understand and to appreciate how we look at the Jewish people from God's perspective. And this is the true leader of the Jewish people who has that insight and that understanding. It's not like the Rebbe doesn't care about observance. The Rebbe obviously cared about observance more than this rabbi. How do you know? Because this rabbi didn't send out a million, you know, thousands of emissaries across the world to get every Jew to do mitzvahs. He got, once in a while he got frustrated and he got up on a big stage and yelled at all the Jews and said that they're sinners and that God hates them. God forbid. The Rebbe spent his entire life encouraging or his entire leadership encouraging his chassidim to go out and reach all those jews that are secular to get them to do another mitzvah mitzvah by mitzvah obviously he cared very much about the mitzvah and he cared very much when mitzvahs are not observed or trampled on yet you have to know how to talk don't god forbid dismiss the jewish people recognize who we're talking about a nation hashem's treasure in this world so this is the idea. This is how the Rebbe concludes the Sikha. I don't have, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. And based on all of this, he says, may we merit to see the great miracles that Hashem is going to show openly for the world with the coming of Mashiach for the Jewish people. We merit to see that now.